is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 417, recorded on Tuesday, February the 19th, 2019. Happy birthday, Mom. Oh, it's your mom's birthday. You say that you wish her a happy birthday every year. I Well, when we, if we do a podcast on her birthday, yes. I feel like we've probably done one every year on her birthday somehow. Somehow. It seems, it, it comes up a lot. <laughs> it does. Unless she somehow has more than one birthday every year. I don't know. I believe it's only the one. Okay, well. well. Unless she's tricking me all these years and I haven't clued in yet. Yeah, could be, could be. Well, happy birthday, Jason's mom. We got a number of birthdays coming up in the next little while, but we'll get to those as they arrive. Cool. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. Um, Jason, how are you doing this week? I'm okay. I'm a little, I'm a little tired, I gotta say. Are you? Been a rough week? Yeah. Long week? Well, it was a, a long, long day, and uh, well, we were out of town on the weekend, but uh, for the family day uh, weekend, mm-hmm. and we drove to Ottawa, and then uh, we just got back last night, and then it was, you know, get everything ready to go to sleep, and then get Jasper up and go to daycare and get ready for work, and then have uh, seven hours of meetings in an eight-hour day, and that's too many meetings for one day, in my humble opinion, but whatever. I I wholeheartedly agree with that. You don't yeah. need seven hours of meetings in an eight-hour day. That that would make me want to just, I don't know, drive, jump off a cliff. Yeah, and I, I still have a full workload that I have to do besides that. But whatever. I'm I'm a little tired, but I'm okay. All right. Well, that's good. That's How good are you? Hear. I'm all right. I'm okay. But speaking of, of being away for the weekend and things like that, I wanted to apologize to everyone for not having a feedback show last week. It was because our feedback show day fell on Valentine's Day. So we, yeah, we you were the- just getting back from New York. It was Valentine's Day. I was just about to leave for Ottawa. It was just this convergence of uh, disfortunate events. It was. And, and we made the call to to put off the podcast. I, I had hoped I'd, I was going to find a way to get it done somehow over the weekend, even in your absence. But it just didn't come together, I'm afraid. So... Sorry about that. What we're going to do is that on this podcast that we're doing right now, I've included a couple of sort of general feedback items after the recap. And also on Thursday this week, we'll likely do a bit of an extra long one and include some of the feedback for the mid-season premiere. Right. We're going to do a twofer. Well, it's more like a one and a halfer, but yeah. Okay. That's the idea. Um, because I've already gone through the feedback that we were going to read for that show and I've kind of taken out some of the stuff that's no longer relevant now that we've seen episode 10 too. Oh, maybe we should only do feedback once a season then, because then most of it will become irrelevant. (laughs) Right? Is that, is that bad? That's bad. I think that's the, I I feel that feels bad. I think that's the wrong decision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll have a little bit today. Um, we've also got an after hours coming up. Uh, on this episode. So stay tuned at the end of the podcast for that. But of course, before all that, first, we have to get through our recap of season nine, episode 10. So are you ready to do that? I am super ready. Here we go. Omega. Omega. Lee and St. Catharines. 
Thank you, Damien in Virginia. And guess who? Lee in St. Catharines. Uh, yeah. Omega. <laughs> Omega. As you were saying just before the just before the episode, Omega, (laughs) Omega, it's some Omega. I can't even barely wrap my lips around that. Uh, Well, it's season nine, episode ten. Those were our title reads. If you want to do a title read, uh, please, please do look up the title of the next episode of The Walking Dead, or really any episode that's coming up. Record it, fire it in, and we love to play them before we do our recaps because they're fun and people do a nice job with them. Yeah, don't send in uh, title reads of episodes that have already happened. It's not going to be really all that um, helpful, no. Days gone by. That was the first episode, right? <laughs> uh, the first episode was, did it, was it, or was it just called The Pilot? No, I think it was called think, Days Gone By. Yeah, I think it was called Days Gone By. Okay, don't do that. I'm not going to play it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless, you know, we go back in time and start the whole podcast over again. Well, I mean. We'll give, we'll give you fair warning if that's going to happen. Absolutely. Someday we're going to have to do a rewatch of this whole thing. So, yeah. Well, once once the whole run is done, we're going to look at it and go. You know, I really think we should do that again. I mean, it was pretty good, but uh, <laughs> let's do it again. You know, I think we missed a lot. Maybe we should just start <laughs> over at the beginning. Yeah. Right. That was perfect. One more time. That's right. That's right. Another take, and we'll see which one is better. <laughs> That's right. It's <laughs> a good idea. Okay, uh, let's get into it here. So this is Season 9, Episode 10, Omega. We start, Jason, with um, some people, some some mystery people in downtown Baltimore, and there's an emergency broadcast message happening, and they're sort of holed up in a some sort of basement location somewhere. I assume it's a shower curtain warehouse because there was like curtains everywhere. And I don't know any place on the planet that has this many curtains <laughs> other than some kind of curtain warehouse. Do you know what I think of anytime the topic of like shower curtains or shower curtain rings comes up? Uh, I really don't. Planes, trains, and automobiles because John Candy played, um, Dell, Dell somebody. Oh, yeah. Was he Dell? And he was a shower curtain ring salesman. That's, uh, that's sad. Yeah. I don't know if it's Door to door shower curtain ring salesman. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I think But there so. was a lot of curtains here. Like this thing was well sectioned off for the various families. And I don't know how they got the curtains for this place, but luckily they were down there. Well, we find out that it's 23 days into the zombie apocalypse. And this is a group of new people we don't know, but we're back at the beginning. We are back at the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. We haven't jumped back here in quite some time especially yep. on this show. Uh, we're, we're sort of looking at a family of three here. We find out this is Lydia as a little girl. Her father's pacing around. He's really agitated. And Lydia's mother is singing to her as the emergency message continues kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut into Lydia in her cell at Hilltop. She's talking to Henry about her family. And Daryl is listening outside. So she's telling Henry about her experience back then at the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. They really should give Lydia a wet cloth just to wipe her face. Just to clean up a little? Yeah. You know, just something. Like just, you know, spit on a rag. Something. Ugh. I don't know if I want to wipe that out on my Pee face. on a sponge. Something <laughs> to just clean her face up a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd rather be dirty than wipe someone else's pee on my face, but it's it's priorities, right? I see your you point. Know? Maybe yeah. maybe treat your prisoners with a little bit of dignity. You know what I mean? Yeah, or pee on a, on a sponge and give it to them and yeah. slap them in the face with it. Like, uh, clean yourself. 
Here you go. Wipe up a little. There's some dignity for you. Yeah. So Daryl is listening outside and, you know, she says things like she misses the sounds and the smells of traveling with the dead. And Henry, of course, thinks this is really weird. Um, They talk about Daryl and Henry starts telling her about himself and his family. He asks about what happened to her dad and we get a quick shot of Lydia's dad all bloodied and bleeding from the neck and dying. So we don't know how it happened, but we know her dad is, is, uh, no longer with us. And Lydia calls her dad stupid, but says her mom kept her alive. And we go to the opening credits. Now, this is Lydia's family early on in the apocalypse. And this is our first look at the Oscar nominated Samantha Morton on the walking dead. So Mm -hmm. that is her, Uh, I know her primarily from Minority Report, but she's acted in a lot of things over the years. Did you recognize her? Did you, do you know her from other stuff other than Minority Report? I recognized her from Minority Report and that was it. I, is she, she's been in other stuff, I assume? Lots, lots of stuff. Oh, fantastic. I have not seen these other stuff. All right. Well, um, she becomes rather unrecognizable later on in this episode, but for now, Samantha Morton, as we go through this this recap, I'm actually going to refer to her usually by her character name, which becomes Alpha, just because it's easier than saying Lydia's mom the whole time. You could just call her mom. I suppose. We'll see how it goes, but I, I, I plan to call her Alpha as we go along. Okay. Just All we right. don't she doesn't have a known real name. So I can't I'd have to make something up if it was if I was gonna use a name. So might yeah, as well use Alpha. Your kids know your name, right? Yes, they do. Like okay. Yeah, Jasper is learning our names, too. That's good. Because, you know, when Jenny says, Jason, they'll go, Jason, where are you? <laughs> right. Jason, come <laughs> do the dishes. That's yeah. the kind of thing I could hear him saying. It's funny. <laughs> After our opening credits, we are with Tara out with a search party, and they're looking for Alden and Luke. She's with Magna, Connie, Kelly, Yumiko, and Cal, so mostly the new group. And they see a bunch of zombies eating something, which they attack from a distance to take them all out. None of them appear to be whisperers because nobody uh, behaves like someone wearing a zombie mask. They all behave like actual zombies. And Tara goes through a mental checklist. She does. Yeah. Yeah. No mask, check. No weapons, check. Okay. I can stab it in the face. She says, yeah, she says something like funny, funny walk or something like that. Right. And then, you know, no knives. Yeah, you're right. So um, it's good to have checklists to make sure that you do things properly. It is. It's it's very good. And she's, you know, uh, diligent with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they realize that these zombies were eating Alden and Luke's horses, which is, they figure, a bad sign. But that the horses were not just attacked and killed by these walkers. They were cut open and partially skinned by, you know, living people. They weren't just torn apart. Now, why would they do that? Just to collect some zombies or to feed them, feed their pets? You mean, why would the Whisperers do this? Yeah, why would the Whisperers cut the horse other than to get rid of the horses? Well, I why think... Why would they do this? I think they said they were partially skinned. So maybe they were harvesting the skin from the horses to, to make leather or make something out of them. What a waste. If, if you're going to skin a horse, skin the whole thing. Well, I, I, I don't think we have all the information here. Like maybe they were intending to, but they came across these zombies or they had to rush away or for some reason, right? 
Yeah, I just think that they were they were doing something other than you know basic survival. I think they were. I just I don't know if they were trying to you know attract zombies into a clump so that they could use that for something later on. Some kind of a or, trap, maybe like maybe this was yeah. a setup trap. Yeah, well, I have an opinion at, at, for for the ending as well, which might lead, uh, which this might lead into. Okay. Well, for now, they're partially skinned, and our group realizes this. Tara decides that they need to go back to Hilltop where it's safe, and they can stay behind the walls and make a plan. But Kelly and Connie aren't so sure they want to go back because they're out there looking for their friend. Mm-hmm. So we have, we go back to Henry offering Lydia some food. I think he offers her an egg and she questions why he's being so nice to her. And he says that people were nice to him when they, when he first sort of came on the scene and it made things a lot better. Yeah. She already had two eggs that she didn't eat yet though. I know they were sitting, sitting there, in her tray, sitting there the whole episode and he's offering her a third one. Like how many eggs does she need, man? You want an egg? We have an egg. I have an egg over here. I could roll it to you. Eggs don't roll in a straight line. No, he'd have to throw it to her. And if it's hard boiled, that's fine, which it probably is. Probably. Well, it'd be awful if it wasn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't give her anything to wipe up with and feed her raw eggs. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can survive on it. You know, it's still the same protein, but uh, gross. Yeah, and I don't think you can eat too many raw eggs without without getting sick. How many is too many? Well, I don't know. I, I saw a raw egg eating contest, I think, on YouTube one time, and a guy drank a pitcher of raw eggs, and I think he had a heart attack. So Yeah, okay. Well, you're watching the wrong YouTube. There's a lot of YouTube out there. You don't have to watch that kind of shit. No, you're right. I, I <laughs> think it was maybe a bad choice, but in any case... um. You could watch like hours of YouTube on how to make paper airplanes. You're watching raw egg eating contests. I I question your decisions. Okay. I don't remember why. I was going down a YouTube rat hole at some point and you know how that goes. YouTube spiral. Those are bad sometimes. They can be bad. Um, Now she also says that hunger is a gift, which Henry doesn't understand. And, and, you know, she says, if you don't understand you know, if you don't know what that means, you're, you're not, you're never going to understand it. So that's it. And I that's think probably she, not true even I, a little bit. I think I mean, what it, she's saying is if you're hungry, it motivates you to keep going and searching for, you know, something to help you survive. Yeah. Is that so hard? How hard is that to explain? I guess it's not that or hard. Or to understand. <laughs> well, you, you know, know, if you're hungry, one, you're alive. Yeah. Two, you're motivated to do shit, to not do it. It's a gift, sure, but if you're sitting in a cell and you've got, uh, you know, you don't have to forage for your food, you eat your food. You know, hunger is a gift, but damn it, uh, hard-boiled eggs are a gift too. That's true. You could just salt. Your... It's delightful. Very good. Um, we flash back to Baltimore again, and Lydia's group, including her father Frank, of course, is there talking about leaving, but her mother doesn't want to leave because it's too dangerous. They have an argument about what's best for Lydia and her mom just steadfastly refuses to leave. Uh, Lydia talks about it being Halloween and her dad says that every day is Halloween. Um, I think that's awesome. Well, Because they're going to be wearing Halloween masks forever. Every day is Halloween. They're the whisperers. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I didn't really think of it that way. It's more like every day is Halloween because there's monsters roaming around outside and you got to be careful. Yeah, it's awesome on multiple levels. It really is. Um, 
Frank, he grabs some scissors, scissors and starts cutting off his beard. And he's doing this to defy his wife because he says, you like this thing, but I don't. And then Lydia and her mom quickly finish a game of checkers to which her mom says, checkmate. And of course, mm-hmm. Lydia corrects her because you don't checkmate someone in checkers. Sure you do. Don't you? No. Nope. King me. Checkmate. It's Isn't a chess. that the way it works? No, nope, it's a chess thing. All right. Uh, and we flash back into the cell. And as Lydia is telling this story, she stumbles over her words by starting with, he always said that, but she changed it to, she always said that. Mm-hmm. Which, which I didn't pick up on the first time I, I watched this episode, but that's a hint. That's a hint right there. That's a foreshadowing yeah, hint. We got some gender bending going on. Yes, we do. Uh, Henry says that Lydia's mom sounds nice and he talks more about his parents. He admits that they're the leaders of another community and he starts telling her about the kingdom and how far away it is and which direction and all this. At which point Daryl busts in the door, takes him out of his cell and outside he chews him out for telling her about the kingdom. Right. So I guess I was wrong in that Henry was, I thought Henry was in on the, on the, uh, uh, the thing, but I guess he's not. He was being tricked as well. He was. So Henry was being used as part of Daryl's plan, but he wasn't in on the plan. And this is, um, this is the sort of third option, uh, of what was going on here. And in fact, some listeners figured this out based on the feedback from last week's episode. Option number one is Henry has no idea what's, or Henry's not being used in any way. Option number two, Henry's in on it. And this is a plan with, he's made with Daryl. Option number three was that Henry was being used, but was not in on the plan. And that's what we got. Right. Well, our listeners are smarter than me, at least. Well, me too. And most of the general population, I would say. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, Henry had no idea this was going on. And he calls Daryl an asshole. He says, you want answers? Get them yourself. Inside the cell, just before we go to commercial break, we see Lydia and she notices a a hook hanging on the wall, just barely hanging onto the wall, it looks like. Well, was that... There's a lantern hanging on on a hook outside her cell as well, right? That could easily be grabbed. Um, maybe this was the lantern hook. That's what it was. I wasn't quite sure what this hook was for, to be honest with you. So I think lantern is probably a good guess. Yeah, because a, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you throw a lantern full, a lit lantern full of oil, it makes a nice little fire yeah, and a weapon. So get that thing off the hook there and get it away from the cell. Well, yeah, maybe that's why it's not there. Uh, I don't know that she'd want to throw that and make a fire with no one else around. She'd probably just end up burning herself to death, but maybe with someone else around, she could do it and then they'd have to take her out. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, we go to a commercial break. We come back and Daryl comes down into the cell. He sits down and he offers her some medicine for her ear. I guess he's figured out that she's pulling on her ear, so she has some kind of ear infection or or injury there. And he asks her about their missing people and the horses, and he wants to know if Alpha would kill these people. And we go to another flashback. We are now at day 43 of the people in Baltimore into the apocalypse. They're running out of food outside. We hear all kinds of gunshots screaming. And, um, one of the people down there with them is panicking. He starts making a bunch of noise, tries to get out, but Lydia's mom throws him to the ground and covers his mouth. And she calls him weak 
and pathetic. Yep. And um, I have a holy crap here from Paul in Facebook on Facebook, and Paul writes, "Holy crap! Did you see that? Apparently, you can be suffocated by only having your mouth covered." I don't know if we're supposed to believe Alpha broke his neck or if that guy was so dumb he forgot he could breathe through his nose. But damn, that really took me out of the episode for a minute. Well, maybe he had a cold. I mean, sometimes my nose gets stuffed up. I can't breathe through my nose. True, but I think I just... There was a crunch though, right? I heard a cracking noise. Yeah, a crunchy noise. So I think we are supposed to believe that she broke his neck. She didn't just suffocate him because Paul's right. There's no way you suffocate just by having someone's hand over your mouth, at least not in that quick a time. No, it takes a while. And yeah, and her, her arm was on his chest and not his neck. So I don't know what cracked his sternum. Did she break his sternum? Well, even then, like you're, you're, you're not instantly dead when that happens usually, right? No, it's just, it was, it's a TV trope, right? Crack, your neck is broken. You're dead instantly. Yeah, Insta kill. it is. It, necks seem to be really easy to break on, on TV and movies. Like the whole thing where you see a spy like spin someone's neck and it just breaks and they're instantly dead. So yeah, I could really use that actually. My neck has been pretty sore lately. So uh, I could really use one of those twisty neck things by a TV assassin. Maybe just, just scale it back a little bit. So it just fixes your neck and doesn't instantly kill you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it wouldn't actually instantly kill me, that it would, it would actually benefit me in my current state. So okay. that, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a little help here. So All if right. you're an, if you're a TV assassin and it's in the TV plot, it's very important. If it's in the plot of the TV show that I happen to be in, then please sneak into my house and do that to me. Cause I could really use it. Okay, good. Well, this guy dies and, uh, you know, it kind of shows us that Lydia's mom is, Really uh, a bit ruthless and going to do whatever it takes for the survival of her family. Yeah, this was uh, definitely, I don't know if I'd call this murder, but I'd call it manslaughter. It's sure. something along those lines, absolutely. Uh, and at this point, Frank, who is Lydia's dad, starts singing to her, singing the same song that her mom was singing to her at the beginning of the episode. And Lydia is tracing the tattoo on the inside of his arm, very much like he was doing or she was doing to her mom earlier in the episode. So we're also getting some uh, mom, dad switcheroo happening here as well. Yes, we are. We absolutely are. Back Unless in, they both have the same tattoo. Um, Let's yeah. say Lydia. It's entirely possible. It is. I think maybe they do. But even so, like Lydia's telling this story. So it's 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 another one of these hints that she's talking about. Not the same. Well, she's mixing up the people on purpose. Friggin' uh, unreliable narrators. Totally, totally unreliable. Back in the cell, Daryl is telling her, her, telling her that her mom just did what she had to do, and he gives her the medicine, and he says that there are good people here who will help her, and she asks for some water, and as he's trying to give it to her, she lunges at him through the bars, and... When he grabs her arm, he realizes she has a bunch of scars and bruises on one arm. I guess she took the hook off the wall and tried to lunge at him with it, but it didn't really go so well. Um, yeah, I saw it, like something flicked away from her hand. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's exactly what she was trying. And there was a tinkling sound. So tink, 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 tink. Yeah. So I think that's what she was doing was grabbing the hook and trying to use it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's still a pretty small hook and she's the one sort of locked behind the bars, so didn't work so well. Um, but the point is Daryl noticed all these in, these wounds on her arm. 
Uh, we go over to Yumiko and Magna, though. They're talking about, you know, they're back at Hilltop now, and they're talking about going back out. Magna, of all people, wants to stay put and not defy Terra because she's worried about losing what they've, you know, losing the goodwill they've gained here at Hilltop. Uh, but Kelly says she knows a way to sneak out. Yumiko agrees. Connie agrees reluctantly. And uh, sort of they all fall into line and agree that they're going to go back out in the night and search for their friend Luke. Awesome. And we go to a commercial break. After that, Daryl brings a tree branch down to Lydia. And as he's stripping the leaves off of it, he starts talking about parents beating their kids. He, he says, you know, her story about her dad sounds like bullshit. And Lydia admits that her mom gave her the scars. And, you know, he's, he's, he starts claiming that she's safer with them. But Lydia disagrees. And she says the world has changed and they changed with it. And he's also sort of trying to convince her that her, like, I think he's using a bit of, is is the word reverse psychology? He's kind of, he's trying to convince Lydia that her mom or her parents are just bad people and she doesn't need to go back to them. She doesn't need to protect them. If they're beating her like this or her mom is because her mom's the one who's still alive, then, you know, this is not good for her and maybe she's better off with them here. So why not open up? Why not tell us the information we want to know? And, uh, all will be better. Yeah. I think it's, it's mostly a, I understand and you're in a safe place now. You can, I mean, sure. I'm, you know, stripping the leaves off of a weapon, but, uh, it's done out of love and safety rather than I'm going to beat the shit out of you in a minute. Right. Because you're better off here with us, even though. It's mixed messages at the very least, in my opinion. (laughs) Well. Daryl must know what he's doing, right? He's, he's trying to get the information he wants out of her by threats, by trying to bond with her, by all kinds of different things. So if you go to a meeting, right, and you sit down at the table Mm -hmm. and you're trying to convince the person that you're in the meeting with that, uh, you know, they should uh, employ your company in order to do the thing, whatever it is. And the whole time you're sitting at the table, uh, sharpening a sword. (laughs) Right. Right. It's mixed messages. Uh, yeah, it really is. Yeah. So you can trust us. Everything's fine. Shing. You know, it's, we're a great company. Uh, we have a great, uh, corporate culture here. We have great technology. Shing. Yeah. And, uh, you can, uh, you can rest assured that everything would be great if you hire us. Well. And then you bash the, uh, then you pick up Lucille from behind the desk and you bash it on the table. Yes, exactly. And you meeting come, over. You come to an agreement, meeting over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we go into another flashback and we now see that Lydia's mom, Alpha, has cut her hair off. Uh kind of haphazardly. It's not a not a great hair cutting job, but I guess they don't have, you know, a nice hair clipper that's gonna do a nice even job, so cut her a break. Yeah, well, they're not in a uh, a hair clipper factory. They're in a curtain factory, shower so. curtain factory, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't really, you know, you can only do what you what you what you have with you, right? The problem is they have a dead body with them now that they need to do something with, and they all agree to wait until morning to dispose of him, except for Alpha, who always seems to see things differently. That's the vibe I'm getting from all these scenes that she just doesn't seem to get along 
with anybody else there, or, or at least always has a different opinion on the best way to proceed. Um, so they've got this body and, you know, they decide to deal with it in the morning. We see Frank comforting Lydia who can't really sleep. And at night, Lydia gets up to go see the body. And of course it reanimates and she screams. Frank jumps up, throws her out of the way and then gets bit by the zombie. I guess they, uh, they had to learn that lesson. They did. Everybody's infected. They didn't know that everyone comes back. They just thought they had a body that they needed to dispose of. Uh, but in reality, they had a zombie that was about to wake up and wreak havoc on the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gemma in South Wales sent in a holy crap, which is kind of generally about all of the all of the flashbacks. And she says, holy crap, they went back to the beginning. Immediately, I got drawn in because I love that start of the apocalypse stuff. The noises and sound effects outside were great to create the atmosphere of chaos and fear. The part that had my heart racing was the reanimated walker who they didn't know back then would reanimate. I thought that was great because it ramped up the tension because we as the audience know this will happen. It was really creepy. The show is finding new ways to make the walkers very, very frightening again. I think that's cool. I think it's fun that I kind of had the same experience as, as Gemma there. It's like, you know, that guy's about to wake up, you know, that Lydia and nobody in there realizes that. So even though you kind of know what's coming, I found it really well done and uh, Mm -hmm. pretty tense. And I agree with Gemma on that one. I do too. Back in the cell at Hilltop, we have uh, Lydia says she was, she was stupid in that moment and deserved to die. Uh, but her dad was soft and now he's dead. So we're kind of back to these themes again that, you know, a lot of the Walking Dead shows have gotten to where if you're soft or you're loving or you want to help people makes you weak and therefore you die. Uh, Daryl tries to convince her of otherwise, but she says, if you can't bend, you break. And I think what she means there is that they all have to adapt to this new world reality. And if you can't bend to that and learn to live in it, you're never going to survive. Right. Good, good take. Uh, she also says that Daryl doesn't belong with these people and she wants to know what happened to him. But instead yeah. of, instead of telling her, he walks out. Well, it's Daryl. It's not like he's going to open up and go, you know, I had a buddy once. He's gone. I had a brother. Yeah. I had a brother. He's a jerk. He's gone. Yeah. I probably had parents. I'm not talking about them. I had a job once. <laughs> All that's gone, and yeah, here gone. I am, yeah. Now I have a motorcycle and a vest with one wing. Oh, But it's a cool motorcycle and a cool vest. Yep. You know? Anyways, he walks out, and we cut over to Magna's group sneaking out. They're going out through a secret portal under the fence. After a commercial break, we... Uh, we have Daryl. He busts out of the cellar again. He always seems to just bust out of that thing, like bust in or out very violently. If I had a cellar like that, I'd do that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like with the storm doors on the angle? Yeah. I'd be making dramatic entrances, whether I was going outside or coming inside, because regardless <laughs> of which way I'm going, it's an entrance. I suppose. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be making dramatic entrances all the time. All I have is regular doors. Where's the fun in that? You I should, have a couple of accordion doors, but still, they're not really that much fun. You should put like uh, saloon doors on the, the door into your kitchen. So every time you walk into the kitchen, you can just smack those open and make an entrance. 
Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to wait till Jasper's like 15 before I do that. Otherwise, that'd be the only thing he would do. Right. <laughs> and eventually he'd try to do it and one would flap back and smack him in the face. Well, the problem is I want to do it too. And if he's doing it all the time, I can't do it. So I have to wait until <laughs> I can do it and we can share. All right. You can share the entrance making. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where are we? So Daryl busts out of the cellar. Henry's waiting there and he says he could have asked for his help. You know, he would have helped. Um, but Daryl says that Lydia is just too messed up and somehow Henry intuits that somebody used to beat up Daryl too, or, or I guess he may have already, already known this, but I thought this was a prime example of a little more clunky dialogue like we had last week. Henry's walking behind Daryl and he goes, did somebody used to beat you up too? I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank well, you. Obviously, how else would he know about the switch and the beating and the bruises? Yeah. And the type of parenting that uh, beatings come from? Of course, of course, of course, of course. Right. Gonna, it, the, the only reason it was really clunky for me, other than the obvious whiny thing you did, which enlightens me mm -hmm. uh it was obvious like yeah of course but that's why what do I mean. you think he says you're not alone or doesn't say it but he's implying you're not alone you're in a safe place you know you, i've been beaten too is the heavily implied subtext right and that's what i mean like they they don't need this i i am not blown away by the writing and even the delivery that for henry that we're getting here yeah. So it's not terrible, um, but it's it's kind of been the source of a little bit of an annoyance for me in this episode and the last one. Although I yeah. think it was better in this one, wasn't as wasn't quite as bad. Yeah, with subtext so thick, you don't need the text. No, you don't. You don't for sure. Um, but Henry starts telling Daryl a story about how or about why Carol cut her hair short. And he, he heard this from Carol and it's about how her first husband used to grab her by the hair and be, you know, abusive to her. So mm -hmm. she cut it short so he couldn't do that anymore. And he says that Lydia is just scared. She's not bad like her people are admittedly, but she's not bad. And he says that only Daryl can show her there's nothing to be afraid of. And then Daryl responds with this weird line about no. Not just me. He's 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 implanting another idea in Henry here, and I don't exactly understand why. Um, which which I guess we'll get to. But I I, I again thought this was a little unusual that Daryl would do this at this moment and sort of give Henry the idea to why don't you go and try to help her or take her out of the cell or something like that. Right. Why don't you go and boyfriend the bed out of her? <laughs> right. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. I th I just feel like it's too risky, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. First, we go over to Magna and her group out in the forest now at night, as we know, they snuck out. They're following some tracks and they stop and they talk about leaving a place called Coalport, which we've heard before, or heard about before in a previous episode. Uh, they talk about how they had no choice then. Um, and, you know, they do now. So suddenly there is a stealth zombie that they kill and they realize that there's lots more around. So Yumiko and Magna decide this was a mistake. We have to go back to Hilltop. We're safer in there. Uh, Connie tries to convince Kelly to go back, but she won't because Luke is too important to her. 
And then Connie agrees to stay out in the forest with her, which seems like a poor decision, but, you know, I can understand they're looking for their friend. Yeah, never split the party. No, never split the party. And just before we cut away, we notice that a whisperer is watching them from the trees. Mm -hmm. They're being watched. Uh, Jack on the internet wrote, holy crap, the two sisters nearly did the old quote, incredibly dumb decisions to advance a storyline, end quote, when they stayed out in the woods at night. Yeah, I'm back to yelling at my screen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Back in Hilltop, Henry goes to Lydia. He says he likes her and thinks she's a good person. So just like you said, go boyfriend the bad out of her. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Great. But in a good way. In a good way, yeah. Um, And he unlocks and lets her out of the cell to show her it's a good place with good people that she can trust. Or, or murder. Or murder. We're so gonna, I'm going to show you all of this uh, great community and uh, feel free to murder, you know, whomever. But this is what I mean. Like, you know, Henry tells Daryl that you're the only one that can show her there's nothing to be afraid of. And Daryl goes, no, no, I'm not the only one basically giving Henry the okay to go and do something stupid like this. And I don't know what Daryl's thinking. I just, I just feel like he's, he's unnecessarily putting Henry in extreme danger and, and putting the whole community in extreme danger. Maybe he's pissed off at Carol for saddling him with Henry and uh, wants to kill him off. Henry's become such a burden to him that he's like, you know what? Just go and do whatever you want. And where's, where's dog? Well, we haven't seen dog in a while. Yeah. You'd think he'd bring dog down there. You know, if I was Daryl's dog, I wouldn't leave Daryl's side. I'd be like walking around with him wherever he went. That's a good point. So would I, if I was Daryl's dog. Anyways, I, I don't, I, I didn't understand this. I don't know why. I mean, I guess Daryl realizes that Lydia does have something in common with Henry, and maybe, maybe Daryl wasn't trying to say, you know, go take her out of the cell. Maybe he was just trying to push him a little bit to yeah. further bond with her. And Henry took yeah, it too far. Go be your friend. Go Show be... her that there's people that can be your friend and not want to kill you. I hope, <clears throat> I hope maybe that's what it was because, you know, I was just like, oh my God, Henry, what are you doing? This is a terrible idea. Don't do this. You're going to get yourself killed. Um, but on the other hand, I felt like that didn't upset me as much as it should have. Oh, we've all done dumber things than this when trying to woo a potential girlfriend. I don't know, man. I'd let somebody out of a cell. If I had a crush on the, a crush on them, I'd let them out of the cell for sure. All right. Well, <laughs> in my teens, I don't know if I'd do it now. Not so much now. You're much more level-headed and straight thinker now. Yeah, I'd let my wife out of a cell. Well, that's different. You have to do that. And that's for a role play. Sure. <laughs> then it would all depend on what roles we were playing. And if, but, and if she said the safe word. Well, yeah. Depends on, yeah, like I say, it depends on the roles. Like sometimes the safe word means getting out of the cell. Sometimes the safe word means staying in the cell. I don't think we it need. It depends on context. I don't think we need to go any deeper into this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as a, as a teenage boy, I totally would have done this. Okay. Well, I think it's a terrible idea. However, potential murder, potential girlfriend, you know, you got to play the odds, even if they're bad. I suppose they go outside, they're sneaking around and, you know, someone starts coming. So they, 
they go to hide behind a trailer but trip over a brick and now that they're down on the ground Lydia starts digging around in the dirt finds some worms and she eats one yeah and then she gets another one and she licks it off and offers it to Henry to eat uh-huh. to which he does yeah that's uh you're my girlfriend now is uh, or you're my boyfriend now move when you lick off a worm and give it to somebody else and they eat it, your boyfriend and girlfriend. You are, you guys have a bond that yep. goes beyond just friends. Yeah, that that's that's a that's a worm bond. Wow, that's yeah, that's pretty big. That's a big deal. Well, that is a big deal, I guess. Uh, also, kind of gross. I thought. Oh, totally, totally. But you know, we're talking boyfriend girlfriend stuff here. This gross stuff that happens. Let me ask you a question: Is it safe to eat worms? Like, if you just yeah, pick a fine. worm out of the ground, you can eat it. It's no big deal. Yeah, it's the dirt really you got to worry about. Yeah, you can eat worms. Why wouldn't you eat a worm? Well, I, I heard about a story one time about a guy who ate a slug. I was telling this to my kids. He ate a slug and got some horrible, I don't know, I don't remember the details, but some horrible brain disease or something. Maybe not a brain disease. Anyways, he's dead now because he ate a slug. Okay, is this a true story or is this something you think might be true that you used as a story to scare your your daughters from eating slugs? True story. It happened. Uh, it actually happened. A dude ate a slug. Um, I don't know if he was trying to impress a girl, but he ate it. And uh, <laughs> That's now, what I would do. I know. But <laughs> now he's dead. And I was wondering, you know, do common earthworms have the same, you know, killing properties as some slugs do? Or did he just happen to eat some weird poisonous slug? I don't know. I, you know, frankly, I would cook the worm first before I ate it, uh, much like eggs. Sure. No eggs are great. I've eaten raw eggs before. I've done it to impress a girl, mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, but they're better cooked, right? And they're safer cooked. So same thing with worms. I mean, sure, you could eat a raw worm every now and again. I'm sure a random worm every now and again would be okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you're going to, you know, make it part of your diet, collect a bunch of worms and make a worm pie. Stew, maybe. Yeah, or a stew, you know, throw in some carrots or something. You got yourself a stew. Nice big worm roast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, I don't know. I thought it was gross, and but I guess you got to, you do what you got to do to survive when there's no food. And get a girlfriend. You got to do what you got to do to get a girlfriend. I, I suppose that's true, too. That's why he ate the worm. Let's not fool ourselves. That's true. Well, they get up. They continue walking a little bit. He points out the medical trailer. And as they're looking around and talking about things, she secretly starts picking up a hammer that is on a table. And just as she sort of gets a grip on it, a baby starts crying. A woman comes out to comfort the baby and Lydia puts the hammer down. And we... (laughs) What's so funny? It's a euphemism. Put the hammer down? Yeah, but I don't think it applies. I found it funny. Sorry. It's out of context euphemism. She puts the hammer down and we get a flashback montage of her parents. We see Alpha cutting her hair off, offering Lydia a skin mask. And as we come back to the present, Lydia is repeating, she's a good person. She's a good person. Um, And then she asks Henry to be put back in her cell. Henry says, okay. And we see Daryl somewhere hiding, watching them. Mm -hmm. So... This does seem like it was Daryl's plan, or if it wasn't, he was at least keeping an eye on them to make sure that I guess everything was okay. Um, but still, 
risky plan, I think, Daryl. Risky, risky friggin' plan. Well, it couldn't have been a plan by Daryl. I think it was more of a, I'm just going to continue to watch over things. I don't think that he, it was his plan for Henry to let Lydia out of the cell. Well, see, I'm not so sure. I I guess I guess he didn't say that in so many words, but once he realized that he was letting her out, maybe he decided to just lurk in the shadows and keep an eye on things. Yeah. Uh, but Henry came awfully close to getting a hammer to the back of the head. Yeah, he did. So, you know, the other thing is all this Henry stuff, like, I don't think the show wa- wanted me to be rooting for Lydia at this moment, but I got to admit, I kind of was. I'm not super high on Henry. You, you were rooting for Lydia to smash his skull in with a hammer. Look, I'm not rooting for her to escape and, you know, go back to her people and, and give them all this information and cause some big thing. I don't want that to happen, but I was kind of rooting for her to at least pop Henry one and sort of teach him a lesson. And if he was killed from blunt force trauma to the head, you know, these things happen. So this is where I think Daryl is coming from. I think he's kind of resentful and he's uh, laying things in motion that, uh, you know, if uh, Henry does good and we are able to uh, convert this person and get some good information, great. If she happens to pop him in the head with a hammer and uh, crack his skull open, well, so what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. I can go back to the woods with my dog and uh, live out the days uh, eating foot stew. Right. You know, you find a foot, you throw it in there, a couple of carrots, some celery. Maybe some more stew. Yeah. I just think it's awfully risky. And uh, I don't know. I, I just think they're lucky that, that it all kind of played out the way it did. But it is what ended up sort of breaking Lydia a little bit. So I guess it worked. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure enough was said between the two of them to indicate that this was actually the plan. So if anything, it was just a bunch of good fortune that it worked out this way for them and no one got hurt and nobody escaped and they got the information they want. So Mm -hmm. anyways, uh, Lydia goes back in, Henry locks the door and she asks him to stay with her tonight. So he lies down on the concrete floor outside the cell and they're on opposite sides of the bars and he initiates some holding hands between the two of them through the bars. Yeah. Well, they did share a worm. They shared a worm and now they're holding hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After a commercial break, we come back. It is morning and Daryl comes in with some food and of course finds them together. Lydia asks for her ear pills, which she now wants. And he gives her another ladle of water, which is what he tried before when she lunged at him. But this time she drinks it. And she says that nobody's coming for her because when somebody dies or they get taken, her people just move on. They don't waste any time, you know, looking for their friends. Uh, She also says that she was trying to get information, information she could take back to them. And she admits that if her mom found Alden and Luke, they're probably now dead. So I hope that's not the case, but I have a feeling it might be the case. Well, the way the way she worded it was, I can't think of a reason to keep them alive, so they're probably dead. That's a, There's an out there, right? Of course, because someone else might think of a reason to keep them alive. Yeah. So, yeah, they're totally alive. I know what the reason is, I'm pretty sure. 
I'm pretty sure Alpha is going to offer a prisoner exchange and say, you oh. can have one or both of your people back if you give me back Lydia. I thought it was going to be because because uh, he's a musician. <laughs> and, you know, part of the the whispers, what they do is they get into a group of zombies and lead them around uh, like a Pied Piper. What if they had an actual Pied Piper to have some kind of musical accompaniment to that? That sounds awesome to me. I would hire a musician to do that. Sure. Or That's you just, why I would keep him alive. Or you just don't kill an artist, right? Yeah. They're, they're too important to the culture and the humanity of the group. Yeah, that's true. And you don't break a Stradivarius. Except we did, right? Yeah, except we did, so... Damn it. You know, uh, all bets are off. All bets are off. Well, Lydia goes on. She admits that they have a camp about a mile east, although they don't stick around in one place for very long. And she says now that the story about her family was a lie, but it was her mom's lie, not hers. It's what her mom has been telling her this whole time. And she claims that she knows what her mom did. So we go into another flashback, and this time it's kind of a different version of what happened with the dead body that reanimates in the shower curtain factory. Mm -hmm. Frank, her dad, wasn't killed by the zombie. He was killed by Lydia's mom. The rest of the group was panicking. Alpha told them they have to leave. Frank wanted to stay with Lydia, but she sort of killed him in the commotion. So we don't actually see that that moment but it's what happened and you know lydia has admitted to this but her mom has told her another story and kind of brainwashed her all this time yep so back you in, do that to your girls right tell them story over and over again until it becomes reality until they believe it yeah of course yeah okay that's what you do with kids right i've been telling them about how the earth is flat <laughs> uh, but that's true so oh well yeah of course it is <laughs> uh amongst all kinds of other crazy things mm-hmm uh, back in the cell, of course, Lydia's coming clean to all of this. Uh, she apologizes for wasting their time and is just crying throughout her confession to them. Uh, Magna and Yumiko are returning to the hilltop. They're outside the wall, but they see Tara up on the wall. So they're coming in through the gate. Uh, we go back to Daryl. He's outside the cell, follow outside the, uh, the basement, followed by Henry and Henry comes up behind him and recounts exactly what we just learned from Lydia and questions why a parent would want to do that. Another time where I think, thanks, Henry, for just pointing out the obvious to us. Yeah, well, he's exposition man. He clearly is. That's what he's, that's all he does. He's there to like let dangerous people out of their cells and tell us what we already know. Yeah, he's driving the plot forward and stating the obvious. Thank you, Ms. Captain Obvious Henry. Uh, Daryl says that some people are just bad parents and he admits to him that maybe Lydia can stay now that she's come clean. Uh, and then Henry has this, another weird line about Daryl. I'm glad that you and my mom are friends. I don't understand what he was getting at there. Do you? <laughs> um, no. Cause he said his girlfriend could stay. Yeah. But I, I like, what do we, in all the context of all of this, like earlier he told the story about Carol cutting her hair so that her original husband couldn't grab her and abuse her. And, and now, I mean, what does Carol have to do with all of this other than she's one of their moms and one of their friends? I, I don't know. 
It's, I just thought it was weird. I think it's everything that comes out of Henry's mouth is weird and unnecessary. He's a teenager. They say weird things. I guess that's true. They They're do say weird raging things. hormones and emotions all over the, all over the map. I hate you. I think you're awesome. I, you know, I'm glad you and my mom are friends. You friggin' jerk. Don't ever talk to me again. <laughs> you know? Uh, I guess so. It's, 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 won- it's wonky. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Yumiko climbs up the wall and tells Tara that they found nothing out there, but she does apologize for sneaking out. And then uh, Connie and Kelly are seen returning with some guards and Tara admits that she saw them sneak out. So she sent some people after them to get them. Um, And she tells Yumiko that, you know, you can't question my decisions anymore. If you don't agree with me instead, come and talk to me about it. So Tara is a very sort of easygoing leader. She's not going to punish anyone. She's not going to really give her a hard time. She's saying, look, I got to make some decisions. If you don't agree, talk to me about it. Don't just go do something dumb. Um, because I think we can come to an agreement here. We're, mm-hmm. or, or we can work things out if we have to, right? Yep. yep. Now, suddenly, as they're up there on the wall, they notice a group of whisperers just walking up to the gate straight up the road. Uh, Kelly is pulled inside by the guards, but Connie, who's dragging behind a little bit, looks like she runs off into the cornfield to hide. So she's stuck out there. The only one not wearing a skin mask is now perfectly shaved, bald-headed Alpha, who steps up to the front and she says... I am Alpha, and we only want one thing from you, my daughter. Episode over. Yep. Uh, she is creepy as F, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, I do. Looks awesome, but really creepy. Yeah, she looks, uh, she looks a lot like she did in the uh, Minority Report there, like with the bald head. Yeah, but much more dirty and... Oh yeah, much, yeah, much more dirty, less uh, seeing into the future. Right, exactly. Um, but also awesome. Like I thought, this is a very cool looking character, and it kind of makes you go, "Ooh, what happened to her?" You know, obviously some bad shit. And I'm looking forward to finding out what it is. Yeah, I think this uh, this kind of act for the whispers is uh, exceedingly out of character. Like, what the hell are they doing? This is not what they do. They don't walk into a clump with. Uh, and uh, threaten a fortified town with a wall and weapons? Well, I think you might be right, but we don't know a lot about them. You know, we know that they wear masks, that they hide amongst the dead, they travel around a lot. So I would tend to agree with you. But I think that maybe the Whisperers have never encountered a situation like this before where some other group has one of them prisoner, or if they have, it hasn't been someone that Alpha considers so important, you know, in her daughter. Mm-hmm. So they I just, might... I think that there's a, a herd of zombies just around the corner that they can go and get and lead this way. Like, they're not just going to walk up and go, you know, we look like zombies, fear us. Right. Right. We have knives. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. So the only threat they really sh- could have is a horde of zombies that uh, they can manipulate into attacking this camp. And that's why th- 
excuse me, that's why I think they sliced the horses open because they're trying to gather their army for an assault. Mm. That's what you do against a fortified town. You assault it. You siege them until they do what you want, whatever that is. Interesting. It could be. I I don't know how they'd be able to keep the zombies kind of just behind them though, but. Maybe they can. Well, I mean, this is this might not be all of them, right? There might be another group of oh, good uh, whispers this size leading that big horde around in circles. Yeah, waiting for their moment. Yeah, you you could be right. Um, I don't know though. I I feel like me. I feel like the whispers probably are just in a little bit of uncharted territory here. They don't know what to do, so they're like, you know what? We're gonna show no fear. We're gonna walk straight up to the door and be like, we got a couple of your people. You got one of ours. Let's just give them back and we'll go our separate ways. Right. We have a musician. You have a daughter. Let's get this show on the road. I mean, I know that they're not just going to go their separate ways, obviously. You know, it's not going to be as easy as that. But I feel like that might be step one of what they're trying to do. Uh, But a giant horde of zombies coming, following up the rear. uh, You know, that's some pretty good speculation. Mm -hmm. That's what I think is happening. All right. Uh, let's do a few more generic or general holy craps here and then talk about this episode a little bit more. First one is a call from Adam in Texas. Hey guys, this is Adam in Austin, Texas, and my holy crap moment has to be the way we get the backstory of Alpha before we actually meet the character. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that they've done this before, and they certainly are a lot of characters that we've never gotten backstories on that, that I'm sure we'd love to see, uh, Negan in particular. But I really enjoyed the way they did that, and, uh, you know, we see her face, and we see who she is, so there's no mystery, you know, uh, of who she is. And and then really just at the end, we see the reveal of what she's become. So uh, I thought that was a nice little break in traditional storytelling. Thanks, Adam. I agree with that. It's it's fun to sort of be given this backstory of this character uh, right up front, you know? There's no mystery here. Uh, I mean, I guess there's still some mystery, but... We ha- we know more about her than we do about um, than we did about the, about Negan when he was first introduced, or the governor, or anybody. So, yep. No, this was uh, definitely a different way of introducing a character, and it was uh, it was neat. It was pretty effective. James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, says, "Holy crap! That reveal with so much backstory. The moment Alpha comes to the front of her herd without the mask made for a truly powerful introduction. I can't wait to see where they go with the whispers." I haven't been this excited for a villain in some time. So that's Mm. good. And finally, Cindy in Columbus, Ohio said, holy crap, what a slow episode. I think I just watched the very definition of filler. Makes me sad after such a good season so far. I don't know if it was filler. Yeah, I'm sorry, Cindy, you feel that way. I I don't really agree. Uh, I don't think this episode was perfect. I don't think it was even one of the better ones for season nine. But I did enjoy it more than I enjoyed the mid-season fin- uh, premiere. Yep. Um, and uh, and I think they did a lot well here. Yeah. It had, there were zombies, right? There were zombies. There were zombies. There so... were whisperers. There were hammers yeah. and worms. Yeah. I mean, they shared a worm. That's not filler. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, but I, anyway, I've already said that Alpha, I thought, was just creepy as hell. Uh, we talked about it sort of being risky for them to just walk up to the gate like that. Um, but because the other thing I was thinking is that it seems like a good opportunity for someone on the wall with a ranged weapon to take a shot 
of some kind take you know shoot an arrow and take out alpha just all at once right there yeah. i know they i know they weren't that close so you'd have to be a pretty good archer to do that but it does seem like something that they might try um so but but in any case it was a pretty awesome reveal um one thing we need to talk about though is that there's a shot as the whispers are walking up to the gate where they focus the camera fairly heavily on Alpha's belt, her belt buckle. I don't know if you noticed this, but it's in the shape of an infinity symbol. Mm-hmm. And if you recall, Jason, we've seen the infinity symbol somewhere else on this show. Do you remember where? He's thinking. No. <laughs> no. I had a, I had a uh, thinking face on there for a second. Yeah. No, I don't recall that, Chris. Well, it was in the note that Sherry left for Dwight right before Dwight, you know, left the show, he found a note and some beer in an old house and the note said honeymoon and had the infinity symbol on it. So this has to mean something, right? This has to, it can't be a coincidence. There's some connection between Sherry and the whisperers. I don't know. A lot of people are aware of the infinity, the infinity sign. And it shows up in real life in a lot more places than are completely coincident, not coincidental. Yeah, but this, the, that's the point. This isn't real life. This is a TV show. There's no such. Oh, it's a TV show. Yeah, right. yeah. There's no okay. such thing as coincidence. So I think it means sure something. Sure there is. Don't give me that. There's well, got to be. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. I think what throws. You've a, seen The Godfather, right? <laughs> let's not go into that. <laughs> what? I haven't. Oh, okay. Every time someone, every time you see oranges in The Godfather, yeah. somebody dies. Every single time. There's a shot of the oranges either in the background or there's a fruit stand or someone's eating an orange or whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a big thing uh, in The Godfather where you see oranges and someone dies. Coincidence? It can't be a coincidence. It's the way the plot of this fantastic movie is structured. Except they went to the production designer and said, hey, you know what? Uh, every time there's oranges, someone dies. Is that a thing? No, I just needed a splash of color, so I threw orange in there. <laughs> well, you could argue that's not a coincidence. That's a reason for them being there. Yes, but it's not related to the plot at all. No, that's true. Well... that's the, And that's the Godfather. I know, um, but... This was a very deliberate shot of her belt buckle, and that was a very deliberately written infinity sign on Sherry's note. I think the infinity sign was there on the note. They may not have known what they were going to do with it, but I think Angela Kang and the writing writing team now has decided to do something with it. What throws a wrench in all of this for me is that Dwight is going over to Fear the Walking Dead. So Dwight is on a different show now that is somewhat related. Uh, but they're going to have to, if, if there is going to be something here, I have really no speculation on how it, how it's all going to connect with him gone, uh, unless he comes back somehow or the whispers show up on that show too. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I, I really couldn't tell you. I don't think I also I think Dwight's coincidence. Dwight's been I gone think that for it six means years. Something on the belt and it means something on the note, but I don't think they mean the same thing and that they're interrelated. All right. Well, I thought it was pretty blatant. We'll have to see. Uh, if anyone else has any theories or thoughts on it, let us know. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about this episode is I thought Cassidy McClincy as Lydia was amazing. Yeah. I don't 
know her from anything else, but the way she was able to act scared, confused, emotional, all at once, I thought was incredible. You don't really know how she's feeling, um, but you think, but you know, there's a chance she might actually have her shit all together and this is all just an act. You never, you don't know for sure whose side she's on, even at the end when it seems like she's given up the charade. I don't know. This, this still could all could be an act. And I think that was great. I think she did an amazing job. So, uh, big props to Cassidy McClincy as Lydia. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was, uh, okay. So all cards on the table, I'm rewatching lost. I'm in the middle of season two. They just captured, uh, uh, I think you've ben, mentioned that. I yeah. forget what I think you've mentioned that you're rewatching lost. <laughs> well, I, yes. So, uh, I re- this reminded me of when they captured Ben and what, uh, uh, the French lady said, uh, she will lie for a long time. She will lie. Uh-huh. And so I was thinking of that, uh, the whole time that, uh, even the, I want to go back to my cell. Will you stay with me? This was all part of a plot to, uh, you know, continue her charade of, uh, trying to get in infor- or trying to get information so she can get back with, uh, get it, give it back to her mom. Yeah. Do you actually say charade? Or charade or charade. Okay. <laughs> Just, Who knows? I say aunt as well. I don't know why. That's weird. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, well, like that character on Lost, I think, uh, I think Lydia was amazing here and I haven't figured her all out yet, out yet. So I'm, I'm, I think she's just been amazing. Um, and what, and finally, one other thing I'm starting to realize here is that I feel like it's going to be, and this is only kind of not directly related to this episode or the plot of this episode, but I feel like it's going to be a bit of a tough sell for this show to continue on without Rick, Maggie, uh, and soon Michonne and whoever else might leave and or get killed off because it's only going to get harder for us here because they're trying to, you know, really make us connect with these new characters, um, Magna and Yumiko and everybody. And I realized watching this episode that I think personally I'm struggling with it a little bit. And that may color my feelings towards this one and the one before it a tiny bit. Right. I find yeah, because we didn't have any of those characters. All we had was the uh, the people that we're going to have going forward. Right. We've got the new character. This is like the new cast of the show. And we're kind of being thrust into it, but that's just is what it is. Yeah, it didn't feel, now that you, you mention it and I think about it, it, uh, it didn't feel complete. It still felt like a bottle episode. A, a little bit. It feels like next week we're going to get back to all the characters we know and love, right? Yeah. But, like we're going to, Rick's going to show up and he's going to look at them, look at the, uh, the whispers outside. And he's going to turn to Daryl and say, uh, they don't know who they're fucking with. Right. And, uh, and that's going to be the end of it. But you know what? That's not going to happen because Rick is gone and Maggie is gone and Michonne will be gone. I'm pretty sure next week we're going to be back with Carol and Ezekiel. That's fine. And Daryl's still hanging around. But for some reason, Daryl doesn't seem to connect me to the past very well. I think the Daryl character is so different now than he was for the last few years that it doesn't even, it feels like a new character, just like yeah. Magna's a new and he's character. spending 80, 80% of his time hiding in the shadows, doing nothing. Well, he always sort of did that. At least he's talking I know, a lot but that's now. not a leading man kind of thing to do. Yeah. Is it? 
No, no, you're right. I guess not. So, I mean, all this is just to say that I realized watching this one and the one before it that it's going to be tough going forward. And and I and I feel like we need to make a really concerted effort to get on board and and, you know, go with what the show is, is trying to do, because the first half of season nine was the best it's been in a long time. And yeah. I don't think these two episodes are way sub quality to that. It's just that this feels new now and it feels different and I'm, you know, resistant to change. Kind of. Well, you're in your forties now. Oh God. I don't like anything that changes, right? <laughs> yeah. That's uh yeah. So everything is resistant to change. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I think there was lots to like about this episode and any problems I might've had were probably my own personally, but I think we're moving in the right direction here. And, uh, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Anything else to say about it before we do, um, a few listener feedback items here and then no, sir. wrap it up. All right. Well, in that case, let's move on. Listener feedback. All right. So what I've included here, Jason, is a couple of more general listener feedback items that aren't really specifically related to an episode. In fact, the first couple aren't related to an episode at all. So we'll start with those. And um, if you recall, a few weeks ago, we reported on this Walking Dead art exhibit that was going up in London for two days. Oh, yeah. Well, we had a couple of listeners go to it and send us in oh, their report. Fucking cool. I know. Uh, the first one is Nia in London, and she wrote this. It was a very enjoyable half hour. Lots of artwork to have a look at, which was the main focus. One I particularly liked was a drawing of the horse from the very first episode. Not exactly my favorite scene, but the piece really stood out to me. There were a few people dressed as walkers. You could take a picture with a plastic Lucille. No desk to bang it on, I'm afraid. A set of the governor's walker head tanks you could put yourself in. And my favorite bit, which was some behind-the-scenes videos you could watch about the various effects. As an ex-special effects makeup artist and general makeup nerd, I always appreciate that stuff. Overall, it made sense it was free as it was small, but very enjoyable nonetheless, and hopefully a little trial run for a bigger event sometime in the future. Cool. Proof of concept. Yeah, maybe. Maybe proof of concept. Ben, also from London, wrote... There were some fun jump scare moments with actors dressed as zombies that sort of looked like mannequins, but as you walked by, they would come to life. I was pretty cocky thinking I'd not been got and was looking at one of the last pieces, which was a very cool series of wax heads showing the progress from initial head injury uh, to finally turning into a zombie. I was moving along, reading the description for each, each one, and I finally got to the zombie one and of course, it came to life and scared the absolute crap out of me. It was great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, so both Nia and Ben sent in some pictures, which is fun. So thank you so much to the both of you for doing that. Um, the exhibit is now closed. I think it was only two days and it was in a brewery, but it sounds like it was pretty neat. Uh, and yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll expand it someday and and more of us can have a chance to experience it. Yeah, maybe it'll go on tour and show up at the uh, the Guggenheim. That would be no, fun. Not the Guggenheim. The uh, probably thinking of something else. Well, the Guggenheim is in New York City. The the big museum in Washington D.C. Help me out here. The oh my god, Smithsonian. The, one, the Smithsonian. Smithsonian. <laughs> <laughs> the one you can't talk 
can't stop talking about most of the time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Next up here is an email from Melissa in Maryland. And Jason, there's a lot here in this email. It's kind of long and you need to pay attention. So are you ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. I'm going to let me adjust myself here and I'm going to uh, settle in right at my microphone and pay attention the whole time. Okay. Melissa writes, I'm really excited about a theory that popped into my head while you were talking about Lauren Cohan and Denai Guerrera. So Maggie left with no fanfare and we don't know where she went. But in a recent article I read, she demurred on whether or not Maggie would get a spinoff or be in the upcoming movies. We now also know that Michonne will be leaving at some point in season 10. Meanwhile, there has been a lot of speculation that the helicopter that took Rick and Anne was from Georgie's group. What if they didn't make a big deal because Rick is with Georgie's group and Maggie left off camera because they didn't want there to be too much conversation shown on screen between Georgie and Maggie because it would have been hard to explain how a conversation like, oh, by the way, we picked up a few people from right over there, do you know them, never came up. So just to pause there for a second, I think we know for sure now that Maggie is with Georgie, right? Because Jesus mentioned that in the first half of season nine. Yes. Okay. So Maggie has gone to Georgie's group. Yes. To continue, if Maggie is now with Georgie, it would make sense that she would come back for a visit as soon as she could to tell Michonne, hey, I found Rick, he's with Georgie's group, and he can't come back yet because he's undergoing some treatment for injuries from the explosion, but I'll take you to him. So Michonne leaves the show with RJ, that's Rick Jr., to go to Rick, but Judith stays behind. Thus, Maggie visits and finally gets her big farewell scene when she takes Michonne back with her. This can be the big healing scene between the two of them that brings everyone back together once and for all. Maggie, Michonne, and Rick are now set up to be in the movies as they make their way back to Alexandria later on. Presumably after Georgie's community falls and they have to escape danger, etc. It has to be that Rick is recovering, not being held captive, because otherwise Daryl and a bunch of other people probably would insist on going as well. And only Denai Guerrera is leaving the show. The movies will resolve with everyone being back together at the end of the series as the three finally arrive at Alexandria and Rick sees a grown Judith standing at the gate holding the python. Thoughts. <laughs> So, as I said, there's a lot there, but what I wanted to read that for is to see if you and I could figure out if the the timing for all this works. Okay, so I was only half paying attention. Can you read that again? Nope, not going to read it again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think I got it, but uh, does the timing work? Well, I mean, we don't have to start there, but as, as a theory, here's what I'm thinking. Um, Rick gets taken away in the helicopter. Um, Maggie doesn't leave, uh, she leaves at some point during the six year time jump between Rick in the helicopter and coming back for season nine, basically. Right. Um, we don't know at what point during that time frame she has left. So having Michonne leave the show in season 10, it means that um, as far as we know, Rick hasn't come back in that time period. 
there's been no real news of him in that time period. But if Maggie has gone to Georgie's group, found Rick, and then comes back in season 10 to tell Michonne, I found Rick, you got to come with me back to Georgie's group. Does that make sense? I think it does. It does. So what we're going to do is let's say Maggie was around for five out of those six years. She goes to Georgie's group. She finds Rick. She comes back after about a year for reasons, whatever they may be. It takes her that long to, to turn around and come back. She shows up in season 10 and then Michonne leaves with her to go back there to see Rick. That puts them all together at Georgie's group and we can have Rick movies with uh, at least Michonne in them and maybe Maggie as well. And I think it also might indicate that the first of the Rick trilogy will kind of explain what Rick is doing there for so long before Maggie gets back, gets over there. And then the second two might be Maggie's arrival and then her departure. And then maybe, you know, whatever happens with the three of them once they're in Georgie's group. So I think that covers it all. And I think it's a good theory. Right. Why doesn't Judith go with Michonne? So why doesn't Judith go with Michonne? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe Judith stays behind to just have a Grimes family representative at Alexandria. But right. why, but why wouldn't because, she? It's a good question. Well, yeah. And uh, we have to assume that she knows that her dad is still alive and doesn't want her to go and see him. Maybe it's a, a dangerous, difficult journey and they don't want to take uh, Judith with them yet they take RJ according to the theory anyways so you're right I don't know why they wouldn't all go for some reason um, but we'll we'll see I still think it I still think it works maybe we get a home alone situation and they like lose the <laughs> ticket that she was going to be uh, using to go and she gets left behind and you know, uh, a couple hours after Maggie leaves, she startles awake and goes, Kevin, I mean, Judith. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, the only reason I know this is because I was actually forced to watch Home Alone last Christmas. I'd never seen it before. It had been on purpose. Oh. Then I went to a uh, a family th- thing and it came up that I'd never seen Home Alone. It's like, you've never seen Home Alone. Well, sit right down in front of the TV. We're watching Home Alone right now. Did you hate it? I didn't have a choice. I absolutely despised it. It was awful. That's too bad. Well, you should make them watch Die Hard next time. That's a great idea. Okay. Anyways, um, I think this is a fun theory, and I think it all makes sense. But again, it's a lot to process all at once. I I feel Melissa's probably got it straight in her head. I'm not 100% sure I do, but it seems like it makes sense, and it would help explain where characters are going, what they're doing, how they end up together and stuff like that. Yeah. What I would like is an infographic of some kind explaining all of this so that I could properly understand it visually. That would be wonderful. An infographic. I like that. Anyways, wanted to throw that out there. Thank you, Melissa, for that. It's a great theory. There's probably going to be lots more theories as we go through the weeks and the months ahead before the movies 
comes on and even before season nine is done and season 10 starts. So, uh, good stuff. All right. That's going to do it, Jason, Super. for this week. We do have a after hour segment coming up right this with uh, a question from a listener that is not walking dead related, but it is Chris and Jason related. So oh, is it hockey? Hockey? Is it a hockey question? No, it's not. But sometimes we get those too, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. How are the Leafs doing tonight? Uh, I don't know. They were losing 2 nothing when I turned the game off to record the podcast, so okay. we'll have to All see. Right. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This week, we will indeed, if all... Th- things fall into place be back on thursday with a feedback episode and like i said off the top it will be probably a little bit longer than usual uh, because we're going to include a little extra feedback so if you want to get yourself in on that podcasting goodness you certainly should and it is not anybody's birthday thursday is not anybody's birthday nor is it a uh, a made-up holiday by the consumer uh advocates <laughs> of uh valentine's day uh-huh so, nope. uh, nobody's traveling. Yeah. Nobody's nope, traveling. I'm not, going, I'm not going nowhere. Good. All right. So we, I, sh- I, well, yeah, we're good. We should be good to go on Thursday. Um, so I'm excited. Yeah. If you want to get in on that feedback, visit talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top. You can record a message through the website. Another great way is to use your phone voice memo app or whatever you might have to record and, uh, Get us, get us a recording of your thoughts, send it in. Um, and you can email those recordings to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That is a great way to do it. You can, of course, also just type out emails and send them to that as well. That works just fine. Yeah, you can do that on your phone too, apparently. Apparently you can, yeah. Yeah. These things are amazing these days. Uh, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead or tweet us at talkingdead on Twitter. All right, stay tuned for a brief after hours, but otherwise, thank you so much, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Ah, hello. I'm sorry I didn't see you there. Please, come in. Chris and Jason have just popped off to change into something a little more comfortable. You know what those boys are like. Please sit down, help yourself to a drink, and welcome to the Talking Dead After Hours. Thank you so much. I feel so relaxed after that that <sighs> smooth intro. Jason helped himself to a drink. I did. I did. I'm light a cigar. <laughs> Maybe a pipe. I think I'll light a pipe. Light up a pipe. And I want to read this uh, email from Jeff in Vermont, or at least part of it anyways. He, He's he, part... Part of it's from Vermont? Uh, no, Jeff is from Vermont, and okay. I'm reading part of his email. Oh, I see. Do I have to pay attention to this one? It's 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 really, really short, so I don't okay. think it'll be a, a difficult proposition for you. All right. Jeff is a new listener. He wrote in, and he, he sort of told me about his experience listening to the show, which is fantastic. And then he wrote in a couple of questions for us. Um, and one of them here, Jason, I thought would be fun to address, so I okay. decided that we would. I'm a little nervous. Are you? Don't be nervous. Yes. Don't be okay. nervous. All right. Jeff in Vermont writes, would you describe your friendship as like Rick and Daryl or like Frank Grimy Grimes and Homer Simpson? 
<laughs> so I I took the um, initiative to go to Wikipedia and just like double check Frank Grimes because I'm aware of the character, but it's been a long yeah. time since I've watched The Simpsons. So, well, neither one of us is dead, and Grimey, as he liked to be called by his friends, is dead. Well. Frank Grimes, he appeared on the 23rd episode of season eight of The Simpsons called Homer's Enemy. And from the Wikipedia plot description, I took this quote, a new employee, Frank Grimes, who spent most of his life alone and working hard to make ends meet, is hired at the Springfield nuclear plant and put into Sector 7G, where he must work alongside Homer, Lenny and Carl. Grimes is aghast at Homer's laziness and general irresponsibility when Grimes prevents Homer from drinking a beaker of sulfuric acid by slapping it out of his hands and into a wall. A passing Mr. Burns admonishes Grimes for the damage caused and gives him a pay cut. Grimes angrily declares to Homer that they are now enemies. Right. <laughs> so that is Homer's relationship to Frank Grimey Grimes. I think we all... I think we all understand the relationship that Rick and Daryl had very brotherly, yep. very go out of their way for each other, do anything for each other kind of thing, help each other survive in the zombie apocalypse. So Jeff's question is, would we describe our friendship more like the Rick and Daryl relationship or the Frank Grimes and Homer Simpson relationship? I'd probably go more with Lenny and Carl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Yes. <laughs> This is a short answer. So would I describe our our relationship as uh uh Rick and Carl or No uh Grimey not, not Rick and Carl. That would be father and son. Rick and Daryl. Rick and Daryl or uh Grimey Grimes and Homer Simpson. Yes, I would describe our friendship as that or that. Well, okay. How's <laughs> that for ambiguous? That doesn't um, doesn't tell me anything. So the problem is, Chris, uh that our friendship going out of our way for each other. The problem is that we have a hard time getting in the same place at the same time. It's difficult. It's uh, we've tried a number of times and more often than not, something fails. <laughs> well, right. You know, I mean, we've got to see a movie together a little while ago during that snowstorm. We went to that see was glass. Nice. That was fun. Yeah. But then uh, you wanted to come over one time and see my son, but then, Everybody was up late and he was not feeling well and it kind of fell through and actually you said no again. fucking way. You're not coming to my house, you dick. Oh yeah, that's right. That's what it felt so. like. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Subtext. <laughs> so I'd probably go more with uh, Rick and Daryl than uh, enemies. Yes, definitely more on that side than enemies. We used to live really close together, which made we things did. much easier. Fun. Right. Yeah, and 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 none, neither one of us is dead at the moment. So, uh, God, knock on wood, man. Yeah, that well, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ten minutes from now could change everything. Oh my God! But at the moment, <laughs> we're both still alive. <laughs> oh. uh, and uh, Grimey Grimes, there, he's not. He is not. Homer's enemy is not alive. I don't know. Spoiler alert for season eight of The Simpsons, but uh, he dies at the end of that episode. He does, but I, I don't think that's. Um, necessarily relevant to their relationship, right? Their relationship is enemies, and right. but it's it's a one sided enemy relationship, right? I don't think Homer sees it that way, and that's not because he he really likes uh, Frank Grimes. I think he is just too stupid to see the forest for the trees most of the time. 
You think so? Homer Simpson? <laughs> I don't think he knows what's going on. At a... Well, he does have a crayon stuck up his nose. That's true. He did for a while anyways. Uh, no, he had, it was removed at oh. one point and he became super smart and then it went back in. And then he so. put it back up. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, Homer Simpson has, has been to space, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. He's, yeah. He's, in, uh, he's a man amongst men. In Rod We Trust. That's one of my favorite yeah. lines. <laughs> Careful. It's ruffled. Yeah. Uh, so I know, I mean, sometimes people like to, to hear about us, hear us talk about this kind of thing, which is why I brought this up. I thought it would be fun, but absolutely much more closer to Rick and Daryl than Frank and Homer. Yeah. And it's also, you know, just to uh, talk about our friendship. Uh, the reason we do this podcast is that when we get together, this is the shit we talk about anyway. That's the best right? reason to like, do a podcast, I think. Yeah, because this is how our conversations go, regardless of whether we're recording it for the internet. That's true. Uh, it, it would be if I could come to your house without dying, though, because I'm allergic yeah, to the your cats. cats. It's yeah. too bad. Your cats You know are- what you should do? You should get a pool, because uh, I can't go into a room, like an indoor pool, because I can't go into a room with a pool. I went to the pool at the hotel, damn near died. I felt like somebody took a handful of Ajax and blew it into my face. Well, are you my allergic? Your eyes were burning. I couldn't breathe. I got a massive headache. Are you allergic chlorine to just chlorine me out. or something? I don't know what it is. It, ever since I was a kid, uh, swimming pools, public pools specifically, because they put so much chemicals into it, I can't go in. I can't breathe for days afterwards. So I know I can't go in, hmm. but I thought I could go up to the pool and hang out on the pool side with... Uh, Jasper and Jenny while they were swimming in the pool, but I had to leave. I'm like, I huh. can't, I can't stay in this room. I can't do it. Interesting. Well, that sucks for you. Because that smell you get at the pool is not actually the chemicals. It's the chlorine or whatever reacting with the oils of the skin of the people that are in the pool or were in the pool and how they, it breaks down those oils and leaves that smell. So what you're getting is, you know, broken down dead skin in that's, your face. That's the smell of a chlorine pool? Yes. That's super gross. It is super gross. Pub, private pools are fine. You remember when I lived with Scott and we had a pool? Yeah. Those were good times. I could swim in that pool because it wasn't used by the public. It was only used on weekends kind of thing. So that was fine. Are you sure it wasn't a saltwater pool? Maybe that it was, was not, the difference. No, it was not a saltwater pool. Oh. Well, that would probably not bother you though, right? Well, yeah, because they use a lot less chemicals. Right. Okay. And if it's, a, if it, then they don't, uh, if they had, if it was a public pool, I'd probably still have problems. Anyway. Mm, I don't know. Well, but I just no to idea. counteract the cats at my house, you should get an indoor pool. Therefore, I can't go to your house either. Take, take that jerk. <laughs> yeah. And you get a pool. <laughs> and I get a pool. Yeah. I don't see that happening. I don't have a lot of room in my house for a pool. I'd have to put it in the backyard and I don't have a lot of room in the backyard for a pool. So. Yeah. You'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure Put it out. Put it on the roof. I'll just, every, if you ever come over, I'll just fill up the bathtub with water and a bunch of chlorine and see what happens. You could just take a handful of Ajax and blow that in my face. Ooh, that'd be fun too. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, come on in. <laughs> yeah, we should get uh, together more often. Well, you know. We used to live together. Or together. We no. used to work together, but we also lived close to each other within walking distance. That was that was good. Those were back in the days when we used to get together in person to record this podcast. And yeah. That feels like forever ago. That was point. weird. <laughs> I know, eh? Who does that anymore? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, we never lived together. We did work together and uh, things are all good here. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's that. We're not enemies. <laughs> Definitely not enemies. Not today, anyway. And neither one of us is dead at the moment. I mean, it's not like you're a Boston Bruins fan or something. Fuck those guys. <sighs> is it football? <laughs> I know you don't know what that means. Anyways, I think like we should wrap it up now. Well, a Bruin is a bear, right? Yes. Everything at the in, in Boston is a bear. So the Boston Bruins, is that, uh, that's hockey. That's got to be hockey. If you're talking about it, it's hockey. If I'm talking about it, it's hockey. All right. Yeah. I got you. All right. Good night, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.